0: All right, everybody, welcome to the We Are Sports Podcast. This is episode two. We are here today to celebrate the excellence of black women in athletics. Today, we have a few special guests on the stage with us. My name is Victor Jones, and I'm here to listen. This is your boy, Uncle Chris.
1: And remember, one size does not always fit all, and I'm here to listen and be silent like the great Dragonfly Jones. Yeah, his, uh,
2: his greatest thing might actually come in writing. Uh, My name is Wes Norris, and I, too, am here to listen, but also comment on why episodes start with 1-0 when they're really just two. But I think we've corrected that.
3: Hey, everybody. Um, This is Mari. I am here to both listen and to share some of my favorites. Um, uh, Yeah, niggas. uh, Everything I learned about stealing, I learned in Oakland. That's what Ricky Henderson said, so that's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
2: no that's hilarious um what's up it's your boy rello i'm here to listen as well and just to support these amazing black women we have on stage
0: all right man so we have some special guests on stage today with us we have faola ivory kai renee and christina um i want you guys you know to introduce yourselves tell people about you and um after that we'll get started and uh um, mari mari gonna take it from here
3: Yes. So welcome everyone. Um, I do wanna introduce uh some of the women that we have on the stage today. Um and also just kinda of go over what we'll be talking about today. So we're gonna be honoring and celebrating um really any black female or woman athlete that comes to mind. We do have a list. Um, so we'll be going through that list as well. Um this will be mostly um a women in films led conversation. So um A lot of the men on the stage uh, will be kind of following up, but we'll be leading the conversation. Um, Yeah, I want to introduce, or we can just go around and do introductions. I have Fayola first on my right, so Fayola if you want to introduce yourself, um, say anything about what you do or just um, what you uh, look to bring to during this conversation or talk about during this conversation.
4: Hi, I'm Faiola. Um I am heavily into all things sports, particularly basketball and soccer. I played both sports um, up until the college level. Uh, I'm your resident carnival queen. Um, for the most part, I'm really excited today to kind of bring a diasporic Kind of eye to this conversation because I wasn't raised only in the U.S. and I think that informs a lot of my like lens for how I view sports and women in sports.
3: Thank you, Fayola. Um, Ivory.
5: Hello there, I'm Ivory. I am very heavily into Sports on the marketing branding agent side of athletes, I help them with a majority and a lot of their off-field interests. I, uh, my sport of choice, of course, is uh, track and field because I went to the best school ever, go Tigers! And um, for me, it's the what I would hope to bring to the conversation is how we see female athletes even at their highest level are treated and compared to male athletes, because I see that and I look at it every day from a financial side and a branding side.
3: Thank you so much, Ivory.
6: Hey, Kai. Hey, um, so my name is Kai. I'm a political by trade. I work in public policy and advocacy um, during the week and on behalf of marginalized groups, especially Black women, Black femmes, Black non-men. Um, and I'm also a basketball and soccer junkie, so I'm happy to provide that perspective, that centers um, intersectionality.
3: Thank you, Kai. Uh, welcome, Renee. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
7: Hi guys, I'm Renee. I'm based off in the UK. I am an equestrian athlete, so for those of people that don't know what equestrian is, it's horse riding. I am like a unicorn because there are not many black people in the sport. Black people make up 0.8% of riders, so I'm a very rare sight, especially in show jumping. I'm actually working and training to be the first black equestrian to compete in an <laughs> Olympic Games with my heart and my eyes set on um, Paris 2024. And I just really like to contribute to this conversation, just showing how different black people have different
3: experiences especially in niche sports where we're not very common thank you so
8: much Renee hey Christina hey everyone Uh, my name is Christina Williams I'm the founder of Girls Talk Sports TV host of the Kicking It With Christina podcast Um, recently made Forbes 30 under 30 in the sports category and I'm here to provide the perspective from the media side I cover all things women's basketball so I'm here to provide that perspective
3: Thank you so much, ladies. So um, before we really get into the list, I do want to uh, say that we're going to be talking about some greats, you know, uh, but also our, our focus could also be on impact. Sometimes some of our greatest athletes, women's athletes, didn't necessarily have, like, the cultural impact that others have had, Um So, you know, as young black girls thinking about that, like who impacted you the most? Who do you see uh, impactful to other young black girls, young black femmes um, in your community or in your life? Um, So yeah, I think we can just go through the list and kind of talk about, um, touch on anyone that comes to mind or we can kind of just go down if anyone has um, someone uh, that comes to mind first. Um, so like I said, maybe just touch on impact, talk about how great they were in whatever respective um, sport that they played. Um, and then also how that impacted you as a black woman, as a black femme, and then also how do you how you feel like that that in, their impact was on other black girls or black femmes. Um Yeah, so I think I will go first. Um, someone that was on this list that I'm just going to highlight now, uh, is Cheryl Miller. Um, so if you all don't, well, also just welcome, this is a Black History Month (laughs) themed, uh, room. So, um, we really want to bring it back to both people who are present, um, and from the past and current. So, um, someone I want to highlight is Cheryl Miller. Um, Cheryl, I always say is my favorite Miller. I love both Millers, but she is my favorite. Um, and I think maybe we can make this into a discussion for those of us who also love Cheryl Miller. Um, I don't want it to just be me, but I will start off. Um, so Cheryl, I'll just talk about her impact. Um, my first like encounter with Cheryl, she was a sideline reporter. I think, um, she was definitely on the, the media side of things hadn't been playing or coaching. Um, and she was just dope, really warm, (laughs) welcoming, um if i could have Cheryl and Doris still on the media side of things in the nba right now i would probably be extremely happy um and then i kind of started digging more into who she was before she became a sideline reporter before she be- she became part of the media um and just some dope things that i learned about her about all of her accolades in high school leading up to college just being a dope ass um, player at usc um you know, knocking her brother down, like, everything about her, I feel like it impacted me and and how I saw um, women playing basketball. Um, I think outside of, like, Lisa Leslie um, and Cheryl Swoops, like, discovering and learning more about Cheryl Miller really impacted me as a child, Um, especially when I found her out, like, in middle school. I was like, this is so dope. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of my spiel about Cheryl. Anybody else want to talk about Cheryl? Like we, like I said, we can talk about greatness. We can talk about impact. I do have a list of like the things that she accomplished. But if anybody just wants to talk about how she impacted them personally, or
4: just how dope she is, what I liked a lot about Cheryl Miller when I first became like aware of her, um, one of my favorite quotes I think, or like one of the favorite interviews is that her brother was talking about like when they were growing up. And who was better at basketball and it's almost like every single time he would be asked about her um, he would often say like she was the better shooter um and she's just like everybody's you know accustomed to giving Reggie his props as like one of the best shooters that ever did it but he was like my shot like I perfected it because of my sister like she's really the one and I think she was one of the first women athletes that made me like really realize that like not only are we like here and have a seat at the table but like we nice, like, we better than some of these dudes, like, she was one of the first women who I kind of, like, started being like, oh, I could really out-hoop these men, like, for real, for real.
3: That's dope. I feel like she definitely impacted me in that way, too, because I I knew about Reggie before I knew about Cheryl, and so when I put two and two together, like, oh, they're brother and sister, and she's better than him, like, that just changed everything for me. <laughs> um. Anybody else want to touch on We have a few ballplayers. I think that,
8: um, yeah, I think that in terms of Cheryl Miller, um, she's obviously a generational talent. She's paved the way for so many and broken so many ceilings in in basketball, um, especially, um, where women are judged by their gender and not by their talent. And so she kind of like broke that gender barrier, um, in terms of that, because she's an amazing, she was, she was an amazing basketball player, but also, um, her success was before the WNBA actually was established, and so just seeing how successful she was in her career, it kind of paved the way for the league to be established eventually.
3: And but by the time I think Cheryl, but by the time the league was established, Cheryl became a head coach, right? She wasn't even playing in the league, right? She had a
8: career-ending, yeah, she had a career-ending injury, so right.
5: she did not play
3: anyone else, Cheryl's on our list and then we'll go down to some other
5: uh, athletes. Now, Mari, you know, I met Cheryl because I was actually trying to get her brother to do some business with me. And, of course, he was being how he is, which is difficult at most times. And so I just happened to run into her at a summer league and I was like, this is what I want to do. And she was like, 'Cause he's giving you a problem, Amy.
3: <laughs> I, like, I love that she keep him in check.
5: <laughs> I was like, yes. And so she was just basically like Bet. So uh Wes, if you look, there's actually a Cheryl Miller USC card out there. And um I actually put both of them on a card together, but that was something that, you know, we weren't doing really at all is women on cards and, and, and like I said, for her and her greatness, that's um, that's literally what it became. Is you know, her unfortunately having to use her brother as a stepping stone, but it opened up so many doors and eyes for us on who she is and her game and how she played it.
2: Yeah, I was definitely going to ask you about um, the, like as far as the the WNBA and NBA cards, like. How did you have that interaction with uh, a lot of WNBA players as well? Uh, for those who don't know, I used to work in. Well, you can you can tell people.
5: So, in my former life, I used to um, uh, do trading cards, uh, sports collector memorabilia. So, I know all about that, which is really really weird as a uh, West crystals. are you not very many women, especially black women, know that space, um, but. Uh, like you're saying with WMBA, no, not at all. So I kind of actually had to backdoor it and I signed her to actually get a card under uh, the CLC, which is the collegiate licensing agreement, since I had an agreement with USC. That's how I got her on the card. And then from getting her, I moved on to finally roping her brother into helping.
3: So just to switch over a bit, um, unless anyone else wants to chime in about Cheryl. Um, someone that's on this list because we like I said it's a long list we might not get through all of them but I do want to tap into a few that I always you know we have to speak on Flojo is on here and you know um, I, me being 26 like I wasn't I was not old enough to remember Flojo however as a young black woman growing up Um, there's so much about Flojo that I would hear that my mom would talk about, like, oh, they ain't got nothing on Flojo because Flojo used to woo woo woo. So I definitely want to highlight Flojo in this moment. Um, just talk about her impact. Um, talk about how dope she was, how great she was (laughs) as an athlete. Um, and then nails, like we have to talk about the nails. We have to talk about the style, the swag, um, and all of that, how that plays into who she is, who, who she is to us. Um, so yeah, anybody you want to jump in and
5: talk about flo Joe Lawrence Dolores Griffin Jr.? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, I've run track my whole life and flo jo legit was it. Like, it was like, okay, you can come to the track with your hair done. You can come to the track with your nails done. You can come to the track in a bomb-ass outfit and do all of that. You could run track and still look like a girl and still win. So you know, normally you know what everyone else be looking like out there. So when she, you know, stepped on the scene and that 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 one leg, one up, one down, like what Selena just had on this week, that was yeah. As Kim talked, uh, that was that was what it is. That you you couldn't do nothing but be like, oh my god, that's if I'm going to run track, that's what I want to look.
3: Yeah, she was. Serena definitely did her justice. I also didn't know until recently that Flo Jo died like at a really young age. Um, because I always wondered why can't we get Flo Jo her flowers like in person? Like, what, what's going on? Um, and I found out, and I was like, wow, like this is the it's crazy. Um, that we can't honor her in this, but in person in this moment that we can only honor her in spirit, but, um. I just, yeah, just impactful in all different ways. Um, yeah, the outfits, the nails, the swag, all of that. Like Ivory, you said, like seeing that, um, I definitely can tell. Like that would have,
5: if I was younger, I'd be like, okay, girl, we got to run track. Like we got to go uh, look. No, through. I mean, like it was literally, and then you could start seeing the progress of, you know, the great school ever, LSU. And like there are uniforms and what our uniforms turned into and what. One year at the Penn Relays, and that's a huge track meet at the University of Penn in Philly, LSU had on brown tights, like you thought they were naked out there, because it was a brown unitar that had LSU in the gold, golden front, and you was like, where did they even think about this from? And, you know, it's FloJo, and all she did, and, and, hair, and that's why you see the hair that all the girls wear, in the nails, because that was the first time that was like, yo... This is a sport that, yes, you're getting sweaty, and yes, you're out here doing what you're doing, but you could actually look good doing it, and hear somebody, like, who goes to the hairdresser before a track meet? Tons of people, all the time. My mom was like, why are you wasting my money? Listen, ladies, we it's just other things going on out there, so.
3: Yeah, I can see how she single-handedly, like, changed the way track outfit look um I also want to introduce the two people who just who came onto the stage um earlier um Adria hey Adria go ahead and introduce yourself give us a little bit about yourself and um what you hope to focus on what point of view you hope to come from during this conversation hi guys yes
9: um uh, my name is Adria Crawford I'm currently an assistant coach a uh, women's basketball coach at Marshall University um I just finished well this is my ninth season of coaching uh i played at georgetown um and the perspective is uh just the impact of you know the WNBA. Uh, you know the mystics have have been in my backyard for you know they were in my backyard so i watched a lot of them growing up and you know like when tv was um you know we didn't WNBA games weren't really televised so it was hard to see who else was in the league um but just from from that perspective of how much that impacted me and, um, you know, growing up as a basketball player and then further growing in this business.
3: Thank you, Adria. Hey, Kimberly, go ahead and introduce yourself too. Hi, everybody.
10: My name is Kimberly Alexander. I thanks for bringing me into this room. Um, my connection to sports is I uh, host a sports talk radio showdown in Dallas called The Game. It's the golf and more experience um my late husband was also in the nfl for nine years and i have a, a son who's in the minor league system for the new york yankees and um in terms of this conversation i'm, I'm sorry that i'm in the process of packing um my luggage and eating dinner so i'm kind of just eavesdropping tonight but when i think about female athletes that blew me away Flojo absolutely is at the top of the list i couldn't click my mic enough listening to Ivory talk about her, but, you know, even as a young kid, I loved watching the ice skaters and the, the gymnasts, you know, like Dominique Dawes and people like that who, for me, it was impactful to see them because there just weren't a lot of Black female athletes in some of those sports. And so um, I'm just here for, for the entire conversation. So please feel free to give all of them their flowers. I'm here for it.
3: But thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. Um, fellas, any of us want to talk about Cheryl? Um, I know most of y'all are going to be listening, but um, I don't want to just keep blazing through the list and not uh, get your input. Talk about Cheryl or Flojo um, and how they impacted y'all as you know, young men, as boys, and into adulthood.
2: Flojo um, was the first person I remember my mom really being geeked up about (laughs) like my mom don't like sports she don't like sports oh wait my mom played every sport in high school my mom played every sport in college I didn't know none of this until um her and my aunts were sitting around they was having a conversation about track girl yeah you used to run track like Flojo I'm like who is is Flojo like I'm thinking because you know when you're young it's not a it's not a name like Florence it's not I'm hearing Flojo I'm like what is that a cartoon I'm like I'm trying to figure who is Flojo and the way they were talking about her with, like, like barger in life, like, with the nails and the style and all this. And I'm just hearing, I'm like, okay, like, wow. So I look and, you know, then I started really, you know, paying attention and asking her. Um, and go figure, my mom used to run track and do hurdles and all this stuff. Um, and same inspiration. And as, and as far as uh, Cheryl Miller, uh, she's better than Reggie. <laughs> like, at every single thing. Way better. And the thing that was really dope about um, is as much shit as people want to give Reggie Miller, and he deserves almost all of it, as much shit as they give him, the one thing I can say about Reggie Miller that he will he will always, always, every chance he gets, he will say, my sister is actually the better player. Facts. Yeah, I man.
0: I remember um hearing the story about Reggie and Cheryl like he said that you know as he said he, he was always better than him And he said one game one game he had scored like I don't know like 60 70 points it was, it like. was
2: 63 I, I just watched the document it was 63 yeah
0: so he was like yeah like when I get in the car I can tell my dad like I I, I had a better game to her he said he gets in the gets in the car and he's about to tell his dad like I scored sixty three and she and it's like oh yeah your sister scored like hundred and five points that's some craziness like that. You know how
1: disrespectful that gotta be just, like <laughs> kill your whole heart and soul like you had like you like sixty three is great but nigga she scored a hundred and five in a game like that's just like at that point you gotta just chalk it up to the game like alright man Get yeah you. man she's, that. she's it she's yeah
0: it. so when I when I heard those stories what that did was that kind of pointed me towards women's basketball. And that's when I started watching Don playing at Virginia with the twins and um what's her name? Tammy was her backcourt mate. Like I started paying attention to that and the Virginia women's team with Don with Don was like the first time I was like like oh shit, like they they got to get it. Like they actually balling. And then growing up where I grew up in South Carolina, we had, you know, women who could ball too. When I was growing up in high school, we had girls who could get it too. So like there was always a respect for it, but like that just let me know that they could ball at an elite level to the point where when you play against them, like just cause you're a dude don't mean you gon' you know, you can do anything. And then when I got to college, it was a high school player that um I used to watch that was local. Her name was Shannon Johnson. And um, she played at South Carolina when I got to Carolina, she was there and we used to play in the gym with her. And I used to talk to her about Cheryl Miller and then watch her go out there and just get dudes to work on the court. And laughing at them, man, she's doing it. And, you know, so, yeah, Cheryl Miller was really big. And as far as Flojo, Flojo was the first female track athlete that drew me to the sport. Because I was like, yo, like, she got her hair done. I seen her nailed. And then she gets out there and she smokes everybody. And, you know, I'm like, okay. And so I started watching track. Now, I wasn't really paying attention to men or women in track, but I, I saw her out there doing her thing, and I was like, okay, and I just started paying attention to that sport as well. Well, I
1: think – I'm going to just keep it real quick because everybody said everything about Cheryl Miller. Look, Flojo, for me personally, I got Flojo sisters. So – and all them ran track. And plus, Flojo dressed like everybody in the hood. Like, I'm from the West Side of Chicago. So them nails was a part of life for me. Watching everybody in the hood and watching my sister's run track. When I talk about a trendsetter, man, my sister had every nail, every leotard you could find. My sister put me on color combinations. She got me out here looking fly. And I love her for it. Thank you, Flojo. That's so important. Like the
3: hood part is important. You know, they had <laughs> Listen, because you had to go out there and be a certain way. They were expecting an, Olympi- an Olympian to look a certain way, you know, especially a black one. They wanted you to look a certain way. But to go out there like, no, girl, my hair is done and my nails is done and I look cute in this outfit. Like, you know, for some true. of us, the heat that Serena got later on didn't make any sense. Because it was like, y'all already put Flojo through the ringer so Serena could be out here looking fly. Um, since so, so all these uh women athletes could look fly. So it's it it it's just interesting how like she honored her the other day. Like it all just comes full circle. But yeah, go ahead, Ivory.
5: <laughs> I'm just like dumb Erin cause the the she the thing that's so very interesting that um everyone about Flojo for real is you know, she she her first Olympic actually should have been nineteen eighty. But because of the boycott, she didn't even run. So she literally did two Olympics, and um, you know, of those two Olympics, she, she ran two hundred the first one in eighty four. She got silver, and then the last one, she that's where she won her three golds. And a year later, she just abruptly retired. So it was one of those things like, oh my god, she was here, she did it. You know, track was becoming a huge Olympic sports or one of those sports or one of those things that that I call it that I'm actually dealing with right now because I'm um, I'm an agent to an Olympic athlete. And it's four years. So it's every four years. So it's like, it only comes around in a blink. You get on the scene, boom, and you blow up. And literally, she held that blow up for years. Yes, years. Because then if you look at it based off time, you know the next olympus was 92 and that's when the dream team came out so she was you know doing her thing holding it all down in 88 and 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 then just kept on rolling
4: i thought it was interesting that mari mentioned like the cultural impact because for like the caribbean shelly ann fraser is considered like kind of that full circle reiteration of a flojo because when she first kind of like appeared on the scene, and you're right, like that Olympic trajectory of like being an Olympic track star is a very short window, and you kind of have to ride the wave for as long as you're able to, because it's like every four years, that means you're sometimes you only get to see an Olympics twice in your career. I digress. With Shelly Ann, she's like running with her, you know, multiple color weave, her different Jamaican flag, you know, leggings, and she kind of is like giving you Jamaica, giving you real yachty. every track. Everything. And I love that about her, but it's like, like you said, like we would not have a Shelly Ann being able to like wear her, you know, the, the her
5: yellow, the yellow hair. Come right.
4: <laughs> you would not have
5: a Shelly Ann if it wasn't for a Flojo. Tyola, um, and, those two, those two multi-colored buns. Right.
4: Like we would not have none of that if it wasn't for that. And so I think like Flojo, I appreciate like the multi-generational impact, but it's like. You know, Shellyann is, like, so far removed generationally, but it's, like, you're still here, sis, because we're still kind of, like, embodying you in the way we wear these tights, the way we do these nails when we get dressed to, to show up on this track and field. Like, and I think that's so dope. And I think even to trickle into kind of, like, popular culture, like, I've never heard a woman athlete referenced as much in, like, rap songs as a Flojo. Like, I've heard so many... Long ass nails, I like she Flojo, whatever. All these different references, and it's like, wow, sis, the impact is really like far outside of sports. Like there's people who have never, you know, followed up with like a track and field before, but now you're like, who's Flojo? Who's that? What's that reference? And now you're you're forced to Google, and now you're opening up a whole other, like, kind of worms to a new different generation. So I just think that's so dope.
3: Can you imagine like being in a hood and Flojo out here? Like the confidence that you get the booster you know what I mean like oh, I could just be out here you know I think it also yeah just solidify so much about her thank you so much Paola, for just talking about that intergenerational impact because that's that's important um before I get into the next one Renee you are our equestrian on here is there a black woman equestrian that really helped you get into the sport or someone who, wasn't a, a, who was not a Black woman but wasn't an equestrian that kind of inspired you to get into the sport?
7: I think Serena Williams was a huge inspiration for me. There aren't many Black women equestrians and I didn't find them until years later when I was already in the sport. I was going to say, like, the biggest Black woman equestrian to me that's quite inspiring is Mavis Spencer. Um her mother is an actrid, actress, Alfre Woodard. I think I said that completely wrong.
10: Oh um, okay. Yeah, I didn't know her daughter was an equestrian Oh
7: my god. Yeah, her daughter's like real badass out here. Um she's an equestrian and she's probably one of the biggest people that have inspired me. Um but Serena Williams, just seeing her in tennis and seeing how amazing she is and how unapologetically black she is and natural hair. Yeah. The flow that she's got... Sorry, my thought is wanting to input. The flow that she's got, it just inspired me so much. Like I said, there's not many people that look like me in my sport very much. Um, I'm kind of trying to pave the way for, like, the next generation so there is somebody that looks like them. But for me, it's more... I look to other athletes and other sports and just hope to do what they've done, but for my sports, just so there's somebody for someone to look up to. Like, I... It's a very upper middle class white sport it's a very expensive sport so you just don't find a lot of black people in the sport especially at competition levels Though, so, you know it can be quite disheartening at times not seeing anyone so it's you know it's just wanting to make that difference and be that one person that inspires the next generation really because like I said there's not really anyone in my sport I can look up to thank you so much Renee and
3: thank you to your baby too for giving that your baby girl for giving that input too um i think it's this is the perfect time to kind of bring up serena and and venus um and just talk about them in general there's so much to say um you know all of these conversations around who is the greatest athlete of all time and all of these black people (laughs) all these black women who have to scream serena at the same time just because um you know she's incredibly disregarded in the media and disregarded in, in the conversation around sports um in in the conversation around who the greatest athletes have been people give her her flowers but for the most part they just keep her on that side um so yeah this is the perfect time to talk about serena um i'll just talk about my experience growing up and then we can go back around um serena was like venus and serena just being sisters like me and my sister we're thick as thieves um so we always looked up to any type of like sister duo. So it was Tia and Tamara. Uh, it was the Olsen twins. And then it was Venus and Serena. Um, the fact that they had beads in their hair, that was everything for us. The fact that they were just raw at their sport, that was everything for us having a black father, um, who was so, who believed so strongly in them and pushed them, um, you know, as far as like, you know, my, my daughters are the best, you know, don't get all my daughters. My daughters know they're great. Like, I love that he, he, uh, he put that into them and then he, that he also stood by them um, through it to make them feel like, yeah, your head is pumped because you are the best. Um, I love that growing up. Um, I think, you know, when Serena started to stand out as far as her figure, that was everything for me. Um her being shapely and being able to rock however she wanted to wear, whatever she wanted to wear and rock it, how she wanted to rock it. That was everything for me too. Um, you know, I, I've never been interested in playing tennis, but I just, I, I feel like I wasn't interested in watching it until Serena came around, um, or until I started to get into Serena. So, um, yeah, just don't bomb the greatest athlete we will ever see, um, in my eyes. Um, uh, Anybody else want to jump in or we can go around.
2: I'm doing photos. So whenever y'all bring somebody up, I'm just on the PTR.
3: Oh yeah, PTR. I got flo Joe and her nails and her medals.
9: I think what Serena and Venus have contributed to just black women excelling you know, even not just necessarily in sports, but just in general, um, that you can make a way for yourself, uh, because they really set the tone on, uh, you know, like a level of discipline, a level of resiliency, because the gatekeepers to tennis are white, you know, and so for them to break down those barriers, uh, I think was along with their accolades you know their long list of trophies i know you guys probably saw that video where she said she was throwing out her second place trophy because we don't keep those right the level of excellence and the standard that they held each other to um you know moving through a space not created for black people was just um inspiring in itself so for me that that is you know i obviously i just watch a lot of basketball um but I always appreciate what trailblazers have done for, you know, Black women in sports. And I think they are, aside from being incredible athletes, they really set the tone um, and made Black women visible in a sport that did not really allow that.
5: For me, it was actually their dad. You know, it was one of those things to have your dad as your coach and to understand that that's, you know, that's your house and that's your element. You know, my dad was my track coach and it wasn't, uh oh, you're forced to run. It was something that that's what we did, you know, that 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 he was good at that. So he made sure we were good at that. And it just showed how black fathers are out there you know, doing what's best for their children, whether you like the way it's going or not, and how there is an example of a man who decided that that was going to be his focus and it was going to be his girls in Compton playing tennis and you are going to, to have to watch and understand what they were going to do and how they were going to take over. And I, and I don't think before them we really had a look at that, you know, was always twisted and turned to another way, and they tried it with him, but, you know, because of how great they were, and because of the outcome of the result, it was like, this is, he's not the only father Black man that's out there doing this with their kids.
3: I mean, listen, if if Whitney Houston came as a fairy godmother and told these white people that two Black girls from Compton was gonna rock everybody's world especially the tennis world was gonna rock everybody's world like they would have laughed in there in her face like nobody expected this you know so it's just a trip I, I think my mom the other day was saying like yeah they used to come out to uh the bay area they used to practice out here sometimes you know things like that like he just I, I love the the drive that he instilled with them I know that they're I know that there are some issues that they had with him. I know that drive can always have a bad side to it, to where you are supplementing, uh, you're, you're substituting a, a, a coach in for a father sometimes. So you miss that other piece. And I know that that's something that they should speak on. Um, I think on the outside looking in, we just thought it was dope to see that, um, to not just see two young black girls turn into women. Like this is your whole life. Like this is your whole life. You've been dope at this, um and dominating at this. Um but also just to see that their father helped push them into that, that he was there, that he was um that he believed in them, like that that made the difference. Um anybody else wanna speak up? speak on yeah, yeah. her
0: guys? W- yeah. From a body say,
4: positivity oh sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go, ahead for go ahead. go ahead. i go ahead for
4: you. From a body positivity standpoint, I think Serena also helped elevate yeah. the conversation about like say that black women's bodies as it pertains to like how we discuss them and compare them to like our white counterparts because i know like a lot of the critique that she got in a particular era was like oh this is really short or it's very revealing and it's like nah it's just the way in which you hypersexualize black women's bodies and i feel like she highlighted like a conversation we were not having with regard to women athletes, because it's like, you know, Kornikova can wear this and we're not tripping. It's like, oh, she's such a stylish tennis player. And like how we frame the conversation around someone like her, as opposed to how we talk about Black women's bodies and Black women's bodies as like athletic and curvy and like all these different things. It's like we're not celebrated in that same way. And she just completely changed the dialogue about how we spoke about Black women's bodies in sports and in general like how we speak about black women's bodies in comparison to white women's bodies and like how we are hypersexualized for doing some of the same exact things and occupying the same spaces and the same aesthetics
0: i also wanted to kind of speak to that but um more so about their game on the court i remember them being um criticized because of the way they grunt you know when they when they're swinging the racket and people had an issue with that, saying it was too aggressive and it was not, you know, kosher for the sport, I guess to say. And I remember them really getting a lot of flack for that. And you know, their father had to explain, like I taught them to do that because when they, you know, really are excelling on when they're hitting the ball, it actually gives them more power. And that even comes from martial arts, like they'll tell you that when, you know, when you're you're punching or something like that and they hear that. I forgot how the sound is. My father was a martial artist, but yeah. Like, so I remember them being just everything they did, everything they wore, the way they looked, their hair, like they were just always criticized for it because people were just looking for a reason to my opinion, to just, you know, um, you know, just devalue them as much as possible in the sport. And a lot of it also came from the fact that they were just kicking everybody's ass. Like every way they went, they was collecting names and numbers and kicking ass. And the no white folks ain't like that shit. You know, you coming in our sport and you, you, you beating us and then you, you know, like they just, and then you being who you are as a black woman and you setting the standard and you're letting little black girls know like, hey, you can be yourself and you, you don't have to play any one particular sport you can come into this sport and dominate you know so that's why i would to say renee you got a fan in us and we're going to be supporting you and we want you to get up in that Christian world and kick ass too and let little black girls know they can do the same thing
6: thank you
0: um
1: that's right
0: yes and
1: uh, i would just like to say uh, alfaola um thank you for po- for pointing out that body positivity because um Lord have mercy. When Serena came out, that all-black Nike joint, all oh, praise God. I Nike, you know. God. <laughs> Nike, Nike, you did your thing. Here you here Shout out, Nike. Here y'all go. Just, hey, hey. She was killing everybody like Respect that. Was ability, un- okay. Respectability. ugly. Right. I'm sorry. I am just uh, uh res- <laughs> respectfully. Right. Respectfully. Right, yes, respectfully. 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 That was a cold Nike outfit. That's all I was it, it was cold. First
3: of all, it's a badass outfit. I think, too, um, uh, you know, colorism played heavily in this, too. You know, we, we got two dark-skinned Black women. You know what I mean? Like, that played heavily into them calling them all different kinds of names. I'm, I won't repeat it, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, they hated that these two dark-skinned Black women were rolling down on these white girls. Um, I think it played heavily into how they uh, characterized Naomi when she went against Serena. Um, so, I, yeah, even, you know... They yeah, it's it's a lot that played into it. Thank you, Faela, for bringing up just how her just loving on her body in, in the way that she did. Being when they did criticize her, being like, "Well, well, bitch, I'm not changing it." Like you know, I uh, I appreciated her never switching up. Like okay, well now I have to conform to this um, until they. I think they literally switched the rules around. Um, but before they just being like, "Okay, like I'm still out here." I, yes, I'm in every barbershop in North America okay but at the same time it's like uh, you can't you can talk about what i look like but you also need to talk about how i'm like going off on these shows (laughs) um i think she was able to find that balance and she was really able to you know appreciate and also stand out in the way that she did um yeah i i don't want to move past serena unless everybody has spoken what they wanted to say talk about serena and venus um and just how that duo impacted them
6: I can go. on Serena in recent years because a few years ago I worked with the Congressional Black Caucus and the representative that I worked for at the time, she hosted a maternal mortality health franchise um, and she wrote a lot of bills to address why Black women were dying at these extreme rates in the process of childbirth or because of postpartum um, complications. And I remember at this time the news broke that Serena had her baby girl Olympia, but a lot of us did not know until weeks, months later because she did an op-ed. Um, that she almost died because of preeclampsia and they discovered blood clots in her lungs and she later went on to say that had she not had the resources at her disposal that she might history might have just gone a very different way um and that story just shook me and so many black women up because we remember like almost um, and also two years ago or so maybe less than that she got accused of cheating i know y'all remember when she said she would never do that off the strength of being a mother and she wanted to set an example for her daughter, but that's literally just a fraction of what she has been subjected to um, for multiple reasons, colorism included. And I'm glad that Mari and Viola highlighted that and um, the body shaming that she's been subjected to. And I'm grateful that we get to see her do the damn thing and just be the epitome of grace in class. And she did not have to be because the onus is not on her to shrink in multiple ways. So I thank her for that. And I thank her for, being one of the black women who didn't succumb to imposter syndrome.
1: Indeed.
5: Baby, I mean, people be like, oh, you know I'm thick. I'm like, the only chick on this planet that's thick is Serena. Everybody <laughs> else, you a murderer. <laughs> you, I- you, <laughs> you a murderer. <bird> <laughs> you you
1: wild. <laughs> I always mean, say ain't that, nobody else got a wagon out here but Serena.
5: And not even that, but I'm like, y'all gonna understand for her to be on that court. Like she is running back and forth like that in great shape, and to have that shape—that's a total different ball game than you with your waist trainer player.
1: You better preach, Ivory. <laughs> I, I mean,
5: because it is. I mean, can you? Can you? I want to. I'm sick. I, I'm no, boo. You're not the only thing. Yes, we are. Person. No. Is- <laughs> why,
10: why?
6: Why? Why? Why not? Phone at all?
1: Why not? Phone at all?
5: <laughs> Look.
2: I be like the only one that's sick is Serena. Let me see you run a mile. Exactly. Mo- most people, most people can't um, run the mile, but I would say that um, I would say that her her look that they've you know it wasn't. It's kind of like like Beyonce was similar. I remember when she like the mainstream love was not there originally when I was in high school. Um, she did Austin Powers, and when she did Austin Powers three, I remember how white people reacted then, versus how she's celebrated now, and it's like, wow, like these—it's the same people who were like, "Oh my God, she's so heavy, she's so oh well, look at that, It's a giant butt, oh my God," and and Serena had a lot of the same. If you remember that New Yorker, um, cartoon yeah. yeah, yep. that they did of her, yeah, like yeah, you know, and now like. Now, you know, a few years later, she's a sex symbol. Look at how attractive she is. And so, yeah, it's, you know, um, uh, fuck, fuck it, them, man. yeah, it definitely says a lot to like persevere through that. And, um, you know, never fold. Like that's, that's hard.
0: And it says a lot how she won to, um, she won a championship pregnant, you know? So like, man, a yeah, white
3: girl's
0: ass. Great, oh, yeah. at greatest athlete
1: ever. That's the
0: greatest us. athlete yeah, ever. When you talk in individual sports, like you start with her and then is everybody else, you know, like it's just bar none. The way she, and, like people, like she's been doing this for like, 20, 25 years now. You know, they went, they went, she went pro at 14. She's 37 now. So, and to, and to still be at the top of her sport, you know, like that's just amazing, man. Okay, and she outlets yeah. to that white girl that they used to always talk that white girl that had in her to say she's my rival and she never beat her.
3: That's the Fair same one she beat while praying. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, she used to dust her ass all the time. And it was funny because the um the contrast was always that, you know, she was like she gets a lot of looks and, and covers and stuff because of how she looks. And people would deny, no, her game is but she like never she wasn't winning like that. I think the other, who was it? Ana, Ana Cornacoba was the other one, too? They're like, yes. they got, yeah, they were getting all this, you know, all this love for how they look, and the performance wasn't there, and uh, you could just clearly see that double standard.
5: When Serena's husband wore that shirt, talking about say no to drugs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <That's all> <laughs>
3: funny. <laughs> I think, too, just bringing up, like, Beyonce, for example, like, even as things slowly try, like, media and pop culture slowly started getting, you know, closer towards, oh, okay, having booty is okay. They still did not fuck with Serena, and that just shows, like, she been, despite all of these things that she's accomplished, she's been fighting through, like, so many different, like, Eurocentric, like, European standards of, like, what who she should be, and how she, what type of athlete she should be, and how she should look like, and how she should present herself, and oh, you make too much noise on the court, and they throwing bananas onto the to like all that shit. Yo. Like she's having to fight through that for how many years? is she's twenty five years playing this sport and being on top of it. Like um, it's just I, I don't see how people don't see her as one of the greatest athlete um, that's ever been in any sport. Um, I think this would be a perfect time to just transition uh, before we start uh, bringing people up onto into the audience from the audience onto the stage. Um, And talk about Simone Biles. I think this is...
0: You took the words out of my mouth.
3: Simone Biles. Like, let's talk about it. Um, Just phenomenal. Like, literally dominating uh, gymnastics as we we know it. Dominating the Olympics as we know it. Um, Really, before her, Gabby Douglas was was like... They were looking for one token Black girl. And so for Simone Biles to come up behind and just be like, okay, but I'm raw too, I'm dope too, and I might be doper. um, I think that that... Is everything I think they're I think having both of them is everything to keep it real. Like it's it's not a competition. But um definitely Simone, you know, all of the accomplishments that she's had, I think definitely ca- puts her in a category um, of greatness. Um so yeah, I think we should go around and talk about her. I think there was something that recently came up, like a Simone bio. Biles- yes. So Will yeah. So talk about that?
1: Yeah, I just was gonna say that before we had got too deep in it basically what they're trying to do is handicap her because they're trying... I read the whole article, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to take away some of the technicality standpoints because essentially she's throwing all those tricks and they don't want the white girls to get hurt because she's throwing them and she's landing them, and they feel like the white girls are going to try to do them, and they're going to kill themselves. So literally land true. on their necks. Is literally land, yeah, literally land on their necks.
5: <laughs> so there is a, a grading category, Mari, that goes from it used to go from A to H, and the last two moves that she did, the Biles 1 and the Biles 2, they graded them I and J, and then now they're removing those grades, basically like Chris and Vic just said, so other folks don't attempt to try them to get max points so they don't hurt themselves.
0: Yeah, because how high gra- high it's graded, each letter is worth a certain percentage point, so like an A is worth .1, but an I and J are worth one point. So you can see where that'll hurt her if she goes out there and she executes those those moves and is really worth the point and they're giving her eight-tenths eight, eight of a point or seven-tenths of a point, that that matters in the competition once you tally up the points. And all it is is because, well, yeah, you're doing this, but since our, our white girls can't do this shit, we're not going to give you credit for you being dope and like literally reinventing the fucking sport. And they don't like that shit.
3: Yeah, that is... I mean, we're talking about a 30... Well, she has 30 gold medals? Or 30 combined medals?
0: Killing that shit, yo.
3: 30 medals. Like, you know... And, and so this didn't get the recognition that she deserves. She did, She She's yet to get the Michael Phelps treatment to me. Uh, because Michael Phelps was everywhere. Michael Phelps was literally... It, 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 they acted like the motherfucker was a human. Like, oh, he's a alien Look at his wingspan compared to his ribcage and all this other shit. And it's like... Simone Biles has yet to get that type of treatment um, what she deserves 10 times more than whatever they gave him.
0: Because she's literally her own competition. There is no competition right. out there for her. So she's setting a standard. She sets a standard and then she exceeds her own standard. And these these other cats can't keep up. So they're trying to just pull her back to the pack and it, it's not fair.
5: But like we were saying, unfortunately, with Olympics, this technically could be her last Olympics. You know, we we, we don't look at it like that. But for a gymnast, you know, she's getting older, she's getting more advanced. And, and it's one of those things like, I hope this year that she goes out there and lays everybody out again and does so many things that folks cannot do and then just walks away, chucks the whole deuces, like, get at me later. Because she's, what, 12? No, literally, she's not even 20 yet. So it, it, it's one of those things like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to walk away and y'all try to catch up the best way y'all can.
3: Yeah, no, they, I think I just saw earlier this week um, her commenting on them, like, pushing back the Olympics. And I think all of that plays a role into, you know, them just figure out ways to stop her. I think they don't like this um, narrative of Black girls, you know, dominating uh, gymnastics, especially on the Olympic level. Um especially because i haven't seen these many this many black girls talk about the olympics um since uh her and gabby came into the sport and started dominating in the way that they have um so yeah i kind of she kind of wanted i kind of wanted her to be the last one that we round out before we get into the rest and bring the audience up um any last words about the folks that we touched on right now Um, Simone Biles, anybody want to give their two cents? And then I think we should break down the rest of the list into categories
4: uh, based on the sports. One thing about Simone Biles that I think is really dope is that for a lot of women like myself who, like, I have a ton of friends who have daughters that are like ages seven through like 10, 11. And I've seen the resurgence in like them signing their kids up for like gymnastics. So I feel like it's really cool to see like, The diversification of like options for black children like so every time somebody becomes hyper visible in one of these sports we get like a whole new realm of possibilities for other black children and so i i think we haven't had like black women in gymnastics since like dominique dawes and like gabby and simone kind of coming right back to back and i think there's another young lady who's kind of become like an internet sensation as well um and I just, like, I'm, I'm thankful for that space that they're taking up because it, it reminds another generation that this too is a possibility.
3: And that's the perfect note to kind of end that conversation on. Thank you all so much for taking part in this. Um, I'm going to open up for the audience to come on up. Um, and uh, we'll kind of go down the list based off of categories. I'm going to start off with basketball. Um, so I'm just going to throw out a short list of basketball players that we have on here, and then we'll kind of get into it um, if you guys want to touch on whoever in particular um, or um, anyone on – everyone on the list. So Candace Parker, Maya Moore, um, Cheryl Swoops. Um, hold on. I'm trying to read as quickly as possible. Vic, am I missing anybody? We talked nah. about – yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I know um, Chris brought up um, – oh, Cynthia Cooper. Chris Cynthia brought up – Kathy- Cappy Pondexter's personal favorite, Chris, that he wanted to speak about. Um, yeah. I mean, you can talk about Lisa Leslie. She's not on the list, Lisa. but Lisa. But yeah, you got her. Um, yeah, I man, I think that's a good start. I can get so Cappy So we're just out focusing
3: on basketball players right
8: now. I mean, just first and foremost, the women of the WNBA are phenomenal women. Um, they, set, they are at the forefront of everything that's happened in this nation. If you looked at last season, how – particularly
7: Atlanta Dream,
8: led the forefront in helping flip the Georgia Senate runoff race. Um, Maya Moore, you guys mentioned her. Um, she left the game at the height of her career to focus on criminal justice reform. Um, and so, like, I applaud those women. I, I know some of them personally, and I'm just inspired by them. That, you know, for them, it's bigger than basketball. Um, I love how they use their platform to just make a difference.
0: Oh, yeah, we got to talk about Renee, um, who just retired, Renee Williams, I think. Renee Montgomery. (laughs) Renee Montgomery, I'm sorry. (laughs) That is
8: is the homie right there, Yeah, she just retired Um,
0: to pursue social justice reform. I'll let you talk about this and that's your homie, but yeah. uh,
8: Yeah, so when I first started my company, Renee was one of the first WBA players who came on set and just gave me my first shot in terms of interviewing a WBA player. Um, And so her impact goes beyond just... Being a WNBA champion, um, she's one at every level in terms of basketball. But for her, um, I remember when I first started my company, we were just having a conversation and she was on the fence about getting into broadcasting and stuff because she didn't want her coaches or like the league to think that she was not focused or didn't love the game of basketball, which is crazy because at that time in particular, it was not unheard of for WNBA to do more than one thing because many of them have more than one job in terms of playing basketball in the States and then going overseas but for for her name when we we spoke when we first met that was like on her mind just to see how everything that she's doing now is just like manifesting but yeah last season she opted out of the 2020 season to focus on social justice reform and then she ended up retiring this year uh, just to continue her off the court efforts as well but she's someone who just lives by faith um, someone who puts her like she walks she talks to talk, but she also walks to walk. Um, she partnered up with LeBron James last year to help people get registered to vote, um, which was super dope as well. But yeah, she's one of the leaders of the WBA product of Gino at UConn. Um, she played with Brian Moore as well in college and you know, they're still very, very close and just how they both chose to opt out of the 2020 season. They had conversations with one another. They had conversations with Gino just to see, you know, like what he thought. And He actually gave both of them advice about opting out of you know, their respective seasons to focus on criminal justice. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, Chris, you want to talk
0: about
1: Kathy? Yeah, I'll just be quick about Kathy Pondexter. So, growing up on the west side of Chicago and actually hooping, That's she was cool. killing everybody. <laughs> she was getting everybody buckets. Marshall down the street from the crib so she was I was I was in middle school grammar school when she was in high school so walking up to Marshall and watching her hoop and get money that was part of growing up and then we'll take that and run over to Shed Park and she'll just get money over there and then like growing up in the city early, early Chicago pro was everything and it's a joint called Moody Bible Institute she went in there and dropped 50 one night and I said yo Cabby Pondex would give everybody another 50. And yeah, she's a personal favorite of mine.
2: So uh, when that that Pro-Am um, was really popping, like it was a, so more or less around the same time as the M1 mixtapes was like the height of the Chicago Pro-Am and uh, they would have these, like in the summers, everybody was there. If You hoop and you from the Midwest, like you were there. And Cappy Poindexter played with the guys and was giving 30, 40 in the program. Like, and it was just regular. It was just, you just, it just was regular. So, um, I mean, and you just, you just could see people being like, damn, man, you know, they really, they probably should like have a place for her to go a league or something because she's kicking the ass <laughs> like it was it was just nuts how much how good she was and how good she is um but yeah those those years like that was like legendary shit like in chicago i wish there was more film of stuff like that sometimes people had those like VHss but you wouldn't believe like what you were seeing you just wouldn't believe it
4: Thanks for listening to this episode of the We Are Sports podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and share each episode. Follow us on Twitter at We Are Sports Ch1. And remember, the Seattle Sonics curse is as bad as a little B curse. OKC will never prosper. Until next time.